Hey everybody, it's Marcia O'Connor, CEO and founder of the O'Connor Group, and welcome back to Top 3, where entrepreneurs share secrets and their mistakes. So our special guest today is Guillaume Viat, and he is the principal and founder of MetaHelm. And you're going to say, what is MetaHelm? I know I did. So MetaHelm specializes in strategic narrative for established companies. They guide CEOs, founders, and business owners to align people and accelerate innovation adoption. And he'll, he's going to tell us a lot more about that and how he got started. So Guillaume, welcome to the show. Welcome, Marcia. It's great to be here. Thank you so much for joining the show today. I am so excited. How did you even come up with a name like that? Well, um, MetaHelms is uh, two things. Helm, I'll start with the, the, the last part of the, of the name, is, uh, is the uh, second part of my, actually my first name, uh, the original first name is uh, Guillaume, is Guilhelm, you know, it's Wilhelm William, it's a, it's a German um, middle-aged name. And it also means what steers, you know, a ship, right? The helm. And my business is about helping CEOs, founders, entrepreneurs steer their company better. And meta is because I use an approach that is actually meta. It's, <laughs> it's about the narrative that you have built uh, over the years that you have in your mind, in your heart within your team that helps you steer your company better. So that's the signification. That's the that's the symbol behind it. But I also wanted to leave a little bit of my own fingerprints on this name. And so I picked, you know, the second part of my name. I love it. And you know what, on that, how how does the client, like we work with so many entrepreneurs and a lot of them are listening today. When do they know to get started to basically call, you know, your company and say, I, I need some help? It's a great question. Uh, many people will call me for surface level problems and symptoms that they see in very specific situations. So, you know, my clients are all leaders, CEOs, founders, again, entrepreneurs. And what, what do we do when we're at this level? We have to communicate all the time. We have to uh, pitch investors. We have to, uh, you know, if I look at the inside of the company, we have to align people and motivate people. And we have to talk to them and, and, make, and give a sense of direction for our teams. Um, we also have to play, and more and more I see this, an active part in marketing and sales directly. You know, it's it's not something that you can just delegate to to just anybody else anymore. You have you are you're connected on social media as a CEO. So they call me for that for those type of situations. Like, hey, you know, it's in, our sales cycle is is longer. We find that our message might be not as resonant as it used to be with our audience. There's something off here. So the first kind of um, solutions they can think of are typically in the realm of marketing and sales. That's kind of the, the kind of the, the, the shortcut that we all make. But I address many other things. I, I approached, you know, this question of strategic narrative as a 360 degree uh, concept uh, that goes from outside to the inside of the company because it's key, right? If you have, if you say something to your market and then your team doesn't deliver on that promise, then your your your, your whole company is off, is misaligned. Oh, absolutely. But when you like, you know, how long does it take you to do an analysis like that to find out, uh, you know, how to help a client? Well, I have quite a few years under my belt, so within a few. Um, you know, calls, I, I can, I, I have my own, 
sniff test kind of meter, meter right? <laughs> but what I did over the years is that I, I turned this knowledge and this experience into a model that is a replicable model. And I do mm -hmm. have a formal diagnosis uh, process with questions that I, I run my, my clients through uh, to get a, you know, it's like um, my own set of vitals that confirms, you know, what my gut tells me. I also have quite a bit of explanation in, and I, I actually encourage my clients to really learn about my model. I want this to be fully transparent to them. And so it's, uh, it's also on them and me to teach them how to self-evaluate you know, be an, a, a leader that's more aware about this, right? So this is how I go through this process. And depending on the size of the company and the complexity of the of the topic, um, you know, a diagnostic phase can be can be quick or, or longer. Uh, you know, I, I work with companies like L'Oreal, Microsoft, Alaska Airlines, the French government, uh, you know, the, the, the government of Dubai. And these are very complex organizations. So the diagnostic phase may take me four to eight weeks before I can recommend a solid action plan because I need to interview stakeholders. And my, me and my team go in and, and look at, at, at various things. But for, um, you know, for a small tech startup, I know I have clients who are tech startups here in, in Seattle and it's a handful of people, uh, you know, we, we get to the root cause much faster. Yeah, I, I bet you do. So when you work with companies, what's a typical size company you work with? Uh, there is no typical size company. However, there is a typical kind of leader that I work with. So uh, like I said, if you look at, at who I work with on my website, you'll go, well, that's small and big and every industry, you know, and I, I pride myself with this because I want to keep uh, my practice as open as possible to as many uh, to a wide variety of the right kind of leader. And let me let me explain here. Uh, I'm interested in uh, working and helping leaders who are who feel like the traditional way to build a company is kind of over. They are looking into the possibilities to integrate more people, be more be more constructive. Like co they they like to you know. Um, they, they like to feel their role and, and then maybe they don't know how to do that yet, but they sense that they need to be the facilitator of something that is greater than them instead of kind of the dictator and the person who has all the answers to everything. This is kind of old school. This is, this is passé. Uh, so I'm interested in working with this kind of leader. I'm also, um, another characteristic I would, I would give to, you know, answer your question, Marsha is, um, uh, leaders who are really about innovation, they want to shift the way their market think. And they do this through uh, thought leadership. They want to do this through uh, new products. Uh, so, for instance, in the, uh, in, in the tech industry, uh, you know, there are so many avenues here and we hear about disruption all the time. And so I'm interested in, in working with people who who, who want to do that, but from a standpoint of authenticity, not just blowing smoke because they have the latest feature, but really truly mm -hmm. change the way a market operates. Got it. And so you have been doing this for a while. So walk us through, <clears throat> excuse me, walk me through the steps of how you've gotten to where you're at today. Okay. Do you have time? <laughs> <laughs> so many, so many steps yeah, in my journey. And... You can con condense it. Don't worry. Condense. I will. Yeah, keep in mind, these people are in the car listening to this right now. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. I'll, I'll walk you through kind of my 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 defining moments. Um, so I, I, you know, 
I got into this, I realized there was something I was something different I was sensitive to in uh, in the first years of my career. And I can remember a specific situation. It was in France. I was a young consultant and I was working for this large organization who had brought me in. Um, it was 2001 and they had brought me in to fix something about uh, e-business. And I, I happened to have some knowledge. Uh, it was technical knowledge. And uh, I remember the very first meeting, I'm sitting in this big boardroom uh, in the business district in Paris, and um, there's maybe 20 people around the table. The head of procurement from this energy company, uh, I, I, I am tw uh, I'm probably 28, 29 at the time, and everybody is like 40, 50, you know, really tenured, a lot of charisma, and I'm like, I'm not sure I, I'm, I'm, I know what I'm doing here. But they were very interested in this very, um, very particular uh, technical knowledge. And 30 minutes into the meeting, I noticed that this is going south. Like people don't seem to align, don't seem to speak the same language. And very candidly, I, I couldn't put a name on this. And I thought that, you know, the problem we need to fix here is not a technical problem. It's a team thing. So what I did is that I asked gently if we could take a piece of paper and all draw the project that we were about to launch. That sounds easy, but I was so scared. <laughs> I'm like, well, they're, they're, yeah, and, I, would, I would be scared too. Mm -hmm. And they, they drew it, they followed my instruction and the drawings did the work from, for me. They, we put the drawings on the wall and, and you could see 25 different drawings and then go, that's the problem. No one has the same vision. No one can tell the same story. No one in this room, uh, we're we just, just trying to push different agendas. And so right. if, you want me to, if you want me to push to, 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 inc to, um, to emphasize the problem, Maybe maybe you need to fire me, and and, and I'm not your, I'm not the right guy because my heart tells me that first of all we got we we have to fix the, the problem we see here. Right. They did not fire me, but frankly, I told them what was on my mind, um, and and it it, it turned to be a, a success. But um, yeah, so that's so that that's one of, of my defining moments. Then I also launched three other firms, and I made so many mistakes in how you know I built those firms. I um, I thought that it was all going to be about the branding and the marketing and the website and all that. And all of that is just kind of so, um, and, you know, no one told me that, you know, I, I kind of went with what everybody was kind of uh, advising me at, a, at an overall level. But no one told me really what matters is how your team uh, really works together. And so the, the, so I was really seeing branding and marketing as this shiny layer that you put around a business. And I, I, you know, and I paid the high price, not only in the budget, because hiring a, a marketing agency to help you do that is costly, but also it created a lot of errors, created a lot of lost, you know, sales opportunities. Uh, we, we, you know, um, losing the right talents that we had worked so hard to get in. Um, so I realized, okay, I see the problem with, with my clients. I also see the problem with us. What can we do about this? And then for the next, uh, the following 10 years, I researched many ways to do this. I thought, oh, maybe it's in, in terms of interpersonal com communications. So I studied and I went I, and I learned how to be a better communicator. Okay, well, that was not enough. Oh, maybe it's in terms of how we, we write things. Same thing. You know, I studied and, and, and hired coaches and mentors to help me with that. It, it improved, but it was not enough. And then until I realized, oh, my gosh, it's, it's a holistic thing. It's not just one area. If you want to be a good leader, you have to be well-rounded in the way you talk about your company in any situation. And more and more, because of the speed of change is increasing, 
you have to be able to do that on your feet. You have to be able to improvise, yet stay consistent, yet stay consistent and persistent with how you want to um, to drive your, your business. You really do. But those mistakes were so invaluable for you because that's how you become better. You know, I prefer to have more mistakes um, building while I'm here and, and you learn yeah. from all of them. What has been like, the I would say, the biggest learning um, lesson that you have had to go through the past like three years? In the past years, I realized that what matters most is to show up, show up outside. And I do this. Um, and at, at, at first, I thought, okay, you know, it's all about, you know, how do we deliver the work, the quality of the service we provide. And mm -hmm. I think it's not only that. It'll, you have to constantly um, be out there, be visible. And I was very scared because, you know, I thought, well, if I have to be visible, it has to be perfect. So right. I fir at first, I, and, and also um, keep in mind, I'm French. I've, I've only lived in, in Seattle in this country for the past 13 years. English is my second language. And I had a huge complex about this. I'm like, who am I to be able to blog about in, in English, for instance? Like, I can't do that. It's going to be full of mistakes. So I really had to, one of the things I learned is to really tune, tone down, you know, bring down the imposter syndrome voice in my head and my heart was telling me, you can't, you can't do this. So I learned to show up at a, at a higher frequency. And now I do this seven days a week. I publish to an email list almost seven days a week. I'm on YouTube five days a week, very short segment. And I just say, I just share with people what, what I'm thinking that day. And, um, and in, in essence, one of my mentors actually articulated this very well uh, recently says, you, you're not creating, you're documenting. So that's, that's one of the tips I, I would give to entrepreneurs is like, if you think, you know, it's about creating, you should be more in the documenting phase. Just document what, what's going on through your business because that's what people want to see out of you. They want to, they, they will start believing you, trusting you if they can see the, vulner the vulnerability and the authenticity in you. And to do that, you know, it's a matter of frequency and just sharing what's going on in your business, you know, the mistakes, but the great successes, the great processes, the great tools that you have and how you show up to do your work. So, so you know, that's in, you brought, in the past three years, <laughs> that's a big one. But you brought up a really good um, two-word statement that I think um, I would say basically terrifies a lot of entrepreneurs: the imposter syndrome. And mm -hmm. you know, I think we all go through that. Remember, when you go to be an entrepreneur, you have to get over that fear from of taking the leap. So you've done that, but now you you constantly still second guess yourself almost daily of doing that what who or what gave you the incentive to basically do something like that every day and really get yourself out there and really get vulnerable um so a couple people so you you, you probably heard that between my my previous lines i i work with coaches you know and that's another oh by the way that's a great that's a great thing i learned too is if you think you can build a business on your own you're wrong. We need guidance. Very <laughs> much so. Right. So I'm like, this was this was something I, I you know, I I, I kind of learned also through my experience. I'm like, oh, duh! I have great people that can show me the help me show me the way. Find give me some ideas. So one of my coaches um, really uh, encouraged me to uh, 
to to increase the frequency with with which I, I show up. And what I what really happened in that process is I started scheduling time with myself and realizing, you know, when I when I work with entrepreneurs and, and, and the leaders I help, I show up on time. I show up game ready. I give the best that I can and I want to I want to really see them succeed. Right? Yeah. But there's one client that really deserves this and it's myself. And I was kind of loose with my with my schedule and how I commit to actually showing up for myself. And that was the one thing I decided to really uh, tackle is if I decide I'm going to write every day and publish every day, I'm going to show up every day and I'm going to do it anyways. And at the end of the 30, 30 minutes or hour I schedule, no matter what is on my screen, I set, I hit ship, I hit publish. I hit publish. So I don't write every day, Marsha. I publish every day. I think in public. And at first, let me tell you, it's terrifying. You feel so bad, so like, what am I doing? It's so cringy. Who cares about what I just I just wrote? And you don't hear anything for a while until the first comments start to show up. Encouragements. Pe you know, people will say, hey, this is a great thought. Great reminder, because one of the things that might come through your mind is, I've already said that 10 times. Who cares about me saying it, you know, 11th time? No, people need to be reminded of certain things, right? So yeah. showing up for myself and getting used to really, um, to be okay with the feeling, the discomfort here. Because, you, you know, <clears throat> I, my fear is never gone. It's always here. <laughs> the, the voice of doubt is always here. I just learned to kind of see it next to me as a friend and kind of put my arm around the shoulder and say, it's going to be okay, buddy. We're going to be fine. <laughs> but the fear and the doubt is always here. So your, your, your imposter syndrome, I think it's always going to be here. I mean, for me, it's, you know, some people say, I don't have that anymore. Maybe they're a genius. They're in the top 0. 0.000 something percent. Um, yep. I think maybe there are a few people with that. But hey, I'm a normal guy. Yes, yes, <laughs> exactly. We'll see themselves here. It's hard though, it's because hard. I think we, I belong to a, an entrepreneur group called EO, um, which is mm -hmm. the entrepreneur organization. And we're very tight, all of us. But the idea is you can call that person up and say, hey, did you guys go through this? Is this real? Is this happening? And I also took um, a mastermind. It was a marketing video mastermind. Um, Brandon T. Adams has this amazing video marketing mastermind out there that I didn't like myself on video. I mean, a lot of women don't, right? I'll just I'll call it out there. And so we started doing that and getting out there. And he was the one who told me, you know, hey, for seven days, get a message out about something. So we would do like, you know, top, top seven tips about employee yeah. engagement. And we would do all that. And I had to be out there every day with that right. message. And yeah. it was like terrifying. And because you don't know how people are going to expect or react. And I gotta be honest with you, they loved it. People loved it yeah. out there. They're like, great job. Keep going. You're doing this. And, you know, and now I've stopped. And he's like, where are the things? I'm like, well, there's no contest now. Um, it's a little different. And, um, you know, <laughs> it, it's really hard for me to do all that because I feel mm -hmm. as if, you know, it isn't about me and I don't want the limelight about me, but I know it's more than that. It's about, you know, representing you and your company. So I'm so glad that you do that. You know, do you get ideas from other people about what to talk about in regards mm. to the comments that you receive? I don't try and I don't do videos because I have a lot of ideas. Got it. 
Yeah. I have a lot of I have a lot of ideas because I write and I do videos. So I want to clarify here. The more I write, the more I put myself in the situation, mm -hmm. naturally, the more ideas I have. Kind right, of magic, right? right? I, yeah. I also do, and I also, and I also ask for topics, you know, once in a while, I email my list and say, Hey guys, you know, uh, any, any topic you guys have, you know, is keeping you up at night right now. I always, you know, like to, uh, survey my, my audience and, and ask people, I, I schedule fan interviews. I call them fan interviews because they are with people who've been following me and, and they seem to show, we seem to have like a connection, a little bit of a mm -hmm. chemistry going here. And so in that safe zone, I, I, I tell them, you know, I've been thinking about this. Like, is, do you think it's, it's, it's something worth exploring? And so I get feedback. So I'm constantly listening you know, in, in this feedback loop, which helps me uh, put better and better offers and, and, and products out there for people that are more relevant. Uh, so I get, I get ideas too. Uh, uh, you know, you, I've got, I, I read a lot, so I, 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 I use ideas from, from, uh, from everyone. Do you think I, I, I built, you know, Metahelm's concept out of the blue just myself? No, <laughs> it's not, it's all borrowed ideas, but I, I put my own synthesis on it and I, I organize all those thoughts in a, in a unique way. That's, that's my, that's my touch. That, that's what I brought to the, to the mix here. Um, but, and I, I'll quote people. I say, Hey, I read this from, um, uh, from Austin Kleon, you know, great quote. And this makes me think about this context and this situation in, in my case and, and, and with my clients here. And let me tell you a little bit of an anecdote here. And here, here are the three learnings I take away from that quote. So, um, so reading definitely a huge source of inspiration, podcast, and sometimes daily life. You know, I have uh, two kids and, and a wife and, um, you know, neighbors that are very social. And they make me think about things that apply to my business all the time. Yeah, it's very, it's very interesting and um, to see what happens. How about, you know, in regard to giving advice to entrepreneurs that are out there? Now, these are most entrepreneurs that are 10 years or less. And if you see so many stuff in there, you see you work with big companies, small companies, any size company. What are like some like, words of wisdom for them? Whoa. Um, okay, so I, I think the, the number one thing that keeps coming to mind, the number one pattern is... Um, is about uh, is about speaking the truth, really learning to speak the truth. And we everybody speaks talks about authenticity. Everybody talks about um, you know being true. But I think yep. making an extra effort to really check if it's the truth is a good thing. Is a good thing. So if you want to build a narrative that feels engaging, that mobilizes people, you have to constantly check that you're framing things in, in the most honest way possible. And it's not always easy. I'll give you an example. I was working with this uh, executive from, from L'Oreal uh, several years ago, and she was assigned to, um, uh, to, to, to run uh, an, uh, one of the acquisitions of, of L'Oreal, which was a, based on a business model that L'Oreal was not at all used to. It was uh, all about devices versus products. And so culturally, it, there was a big gap. And she was so uncomfortable and, and afraid almost to uh, report that her numbers were not on par with what the culture of L'Oreal was, um, was expecting. And she was really, really, uh, uh, yeah, she, it, it was a big problem. And so 
she was trying to to spin something she was trying to mm. stretch reality and i and i and i worked with with her enough and we had built that trust and and we're working to uh, for her to um to prep a keynote that she had to deliver uh the ha- highest level of the company uh in the summer and i say look you're going to have to address this you know differently and let me help you understand what i see from the outside i think that the business right. that you're running it can be valued and measured on on other metrics that you guys don't talk about future value you know let's imagine this you put this now you take this business to uh, to the market public market how would you be rated um maybe there are some cultural elements maybe there are some differentiation elements maybe there are some reputation things and so we worked on on building a new set of metrics and she and she's like she 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 starts to regain um uh, confidence and really speak the truth about what was the elephant in the room? And she started her mm-hmm. keynote like this. Okay, you know, here is who I am. We're, we're going to talk about it today. Okay, let's let's talk about the elephant in the room. So you can hear. I was in the I was in the room that day, and she's like, okay, well, silence. <laughs> and she totally. she spoke she spoke the truth there. But then we had rehearsed that. We had practiced it. She had communicated with her team and so on. The feedback she got was just outstanding. She got emails from you know so many stakeholders that she was uh, seeking the support from, saying, "Okay, f- finally, finally, somebody telling the truth about this business that we have a hard time understanding. We're all into uh, to make it a success with you at this point. Thank you for thank you for opening our eyes. So, what am I saying here? You probably heard a similar story before, but it it's so." Um, Guys, it's it's so um, it's so obvious. It's so simple yet so difficult, and it's also something that is hard to be aware of. So, so having somebody by your side that you trust that can warn you about not you being blindsided about not exactly saying the truth could be very right. very helpful. Oh, absolutely. And I think sometimes people are so afraid of saying that. And one thing we're known for here is like, you know, oh God, here she goes. Um, and I'm honest with clients and I'm sitting there like, listen, we're here to help you not to hurt you, but you need to hear this. And I think once you yeah. get comfortable doing it, people almost expect it from you because I don't, I'm not that person to sugarcoat it. I'm more along the lines of like, if I'm sugarcoating it, then why am I here? You know, because you didn't hire us because to sugarcoat it, you told us basically to pull off the skin and, yeah. and we did, but you could do it in a way where it's, it's learning and educational and kind. Um, you know, there are some people that, um, for some strange reason, I just think they think that they have, you know, everything all buttoned up inside. And once we start doing an assessment, we'll find out pretty quickly, like, there's a lot of issues going on here. Did you know about it? And, you know, you're at the top when you're at the top, it's hard for that kind of information to get to you. There's a lot of roadblocks in the way. And that's a shame because I think if more CEOs realize those, um, those issues and address them, I think they would have probably smoother running companies. Yeah, yeah, totally. Can I just share two, two, as you say in this, you're, you're actually yes. giving me uh, two, two more situations. I think one mm-hmm. is in the sales process. I think being able to demonstrate that you're okay to walk away from an opportunity. So here I'm referring to maybe a B2B sales process, but it could also right. be in the, in the, in the consumer um, space, but showing how, if you feel like you're going to do a transaction that doesn't feel right you should better say it early on and just walk away. So many people are scared to lose an opportunity 
that they, they won't do that. They will stay attached to the emotionally attached to the deal and um, not really use what their inner vo internal true voice is telling them. So, so that's another way to express the tip I was giving earlier. Mm -hmm. and, um, and another thing is uh, with your team. Also, if you, if you demonstrate this, you will see that people will mimic it. Will, re mm -hmm. will repeat it, and all of a sudden, your organization may f may sound and seem more easy to run, um, because when people say the truth, maybe sometimes it's hard to hard to you know hear. In, in a, it has to be done a specific way and you know, without hurting people. I want I always say you know be kind, <laughs> but be true. Um, mm -hmm. All of a sudden, you know people seem to align more easily, and that's what my job is about: is creating that alignment that. Every entrepreneur dreams of. I wish my my could just be you know could just follow where I'm steering the ship naturally. <laughs> like yeah, yeah, it's not just through email and through PowerPoint presentations you do this. Do you realize that? Oh no, what else? <laughs> well, it's also how you walk the talk. Right, it's crazy, isn't it? I find it mm -hmm. just so so fascinating. Absolutely. Um, so let me ask you, because obviously English is your second language. Do you read books or do you do Audible? I do both. I am a huge book or hoarder, <laughs> an Audible hoarder too. What happens mm -hmm. is that um, I love the feel of paper books. Uh, I've got so many behind me, but also on the on the on, my, on the right on my left, I've got books everywhere. Um, I read them all. I open them all. I, I don't have, there is a name for a syndrome uh, that has you buy a bunch of books that you never read. I don't have that. I read not A to Z, but I, I use them all. And if I, I feel like I don't use them, I give them away and they're still good books, but maybe applicable to me. Um, and then um, because I, you know, I exercise every day, I, I need the audiobook version to just continue the exploration as an as a as an auditor what i also find great with audiobooks uh, is when they're read by the author themselves i always find that there is a better uh i know there's there, there's a sound you know when it's, when it's the author reading their own book that they actually wrote themselves that they didn't yes. ghost have have ghost written um you know they wrote themselves you can you can hear them it's just so much more compelling so i can think of um, you know, Oren Claff does this. He reads his own book. Um, Chris Voss with uh, Never Split the Difference, you know, he, uh, amazing negotiation book here. Uh, you know, he, uh, I, actually, I might be wrong. Sorry. I think it's some, somebody else, but that sounds like him. So very, very close here. And, and so many others. So I do both. Yeah, I love, um, I'm a big fan of Jim Collins and I love data, my data freak. And, um, and so when he reads his own stuff, it's like so encaptivating. And I remember like, like where it was in the road when I heard that number or that story and all too. And, you know, I have that more of a photogenic memory. So I'm like, boom, I can exactly know exactly where that was, which is pretty cool. And then when you wake up in the day, the very morning, what is your routine? So my routine is, so I wake up naturally at 5.40 every morning. Don't ask me why. That's <laughs> that's what happens. So I, don't have, I don't have an alarm clock. 5.40, 5.50-ish, but always before 6, 6 a.m., I pour myself a cup of um, French coffee. Nice, I, nice. I do, I do bring it back in bulk when I travel to France because I can't find it here. <laughs> I have to have my French coffee. And the first it. thing I do is I journal. So I use a uh, best self journal uh, and I do this religiously. And uh, I, I make a point. I don't I never watch my phone uh, before typically seven or seven thirty. 
Um, I, th I, I thought there was always going to be something urgent. No, there is nothing urgent before that time. And if people really, if there is like a true emergency, they will know how to really right. you know, uh, find find me i'll send me smoke signal or something um so i i, I journal religiously uh, i plan my day myself because i want to be in control of how i you know my day is gonna is gonna shape i may have last minute changes so i can't communicate this to my team so therefore i do it myself and then i journal for a good 30 minutes whatever comes to mind so this morning i wrote about uh, a question i always get is like oh your strategic narrative is like your mission statement right no, it's maybe one aspect of it. And so that's a question I have, I've gotten maybe two, three times over the past two weeks. And then this morning I was handwriting some thoughts about how to better answer this question. Wow, so about that. Then I, then, I, then I look at my phone and my schedule. I typically start my call at 7.30 because I work with people internationally, like on different time zones. Right now I have a client in Amman, Jordan, Dubai, UK. And these guys at 7.30 for me is like 3.30 for them. So it's time to get going. Yeah, international now. There really isn't, you know, time is everything right now. So uh, especially if you work with international clients for sure. And then what's, what's next for you? What's next for, you know, for Meta? What is, what's the next plans? Huh, there are, there are many. Right now what I have, and so in the short run, um, I'm launching new offers, so I'm still building this. The, you know, this business is five years old only, uh, so there's so much to do. It's very successful. There's high demand, and I'm trying to systematize things. And then yeah. in the in the long run, um, I'd like to open up what I do to uh, to more people. So I'd like to train more people. You know, onboard more. I I have a support team, uh, but uh, right now only. Uh, one, sometimes two people can come with me in front of clients because I'm still shaping this approach that I, you know, that sure. I built over the years. So scaling will awesome. be and building a bigger, bigger team. Uh, my goal is not to be, to to bring in a bunch of consultants that I staff. I'm not going to be in that model. I know that model too well to say that it's not my cup of tea. It works great mm -hmm. for other folks. But my, my model will be more um, uh, expertise-centric and building a team that can deliver on that expertise. Fantastic. That's exciting for you. Well, if you're ever out in the Philadelphia King of Prussia area, make sure to look us up. We are here. I don't see us moving anywhere. We are going more national, especially on the East Coast. But I would okay. still say this is always going to be corporate headquarters in the long run um, and get mm -hmm. it going. Um, and then what do you th say in regards to... Um, you know, that entrepreneur out there that's having that bad day and just needs that little sense of purpose. What's the best words of advice for them? Hmm. Wow, that's a good question. And that's a very personal question too. I would say love can come, will come from the least expected place. And so you have to maybe look around a little further and you will see signs of love and purpose that you didn't notice because as entrepreneurs, what do we think? Business, right? We're like, let's make this machine work. And we're kind of, we have this maybe 90 degree angle view, expand it a little bit, you know, and this is, this, okay, I'm saying this from experience, Marsha, because uh, especially right after COVID, or I mean, we, I don't know if it's ever done, but maybe I'll say uh, last year, I had that moment of, of hesitancy of, of 
maybe I was I felt a little uh, burnt out or discouraged. I had worked so hard through COVID to, you know, uh, attend to my clients, and I realized that I was just expecting signs of of validations, um, seeing my purpose just in my work. And I sat down and said, look, you know, there is love in many other places. Why don't I just use that to fuel me? And that, that really, really helped. That really, really helped a lot. No, oh, thank you for sharing that. I appreciate that. Um, how do people get a hold of Guillaume? Um, so best thing to do is if you're in front of your browser is to type strategicnarrative.com and you will land on my company website. And from here, you've got uh, several options. First of all, there will be a free ebook for you. I don't even ask for an email. I don't get anything. It's just for you. And if you're interested, you know, just uh, just write me back or ping me back. Uh, LinkedIn is a great place. I'm very active on LinkedIn. And wherever mm -hmm. you know feel like it, I I try to expand the places where I show up on YouTube also. And all of all of that is my is on my website. So the first place to go to is Strategic Narrative. Com. One of the things I'd love to uh, to say here is that uh, this year I'm seeking more opportunities to come and meet people in person that we can maybe do that a little more easily and do some speaking and, and come to your community, your company, your your network organization and um, and deliver a talk about uh, strategic narratives and what this can do for you. You know, you should really look into the EO um, network mm -hmm. and um, they yeah. have a great group. There is a Seattle chapter and uh, there's a there. Portland okay. chapter and they're always looking for really good speakers too. So if you just go okay. to eonetwork.org, um, that'll tell you a lot about those chapters and how to get in contact with them. But they have monthly meetings and they're always looking for good speakers. And then anything to do around entrepreneurism, you know, and growing a company and becoming better, they're all about that. So that's going to be a good tool for you. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't know about this organization, Marsha. Thank you so much for sharing with me. I'll, yeah, I'll look absolutely. Big fan of them as well. Well, Guillaume, thank you so much yeah. for being on the show today. So appreciate you having here and sharing your thoughts, wisdoms, journeys, lessons. Um, so much that was shared today. So thank you so much. And I'll, out there, everybody, listen. This is why we're here. This is top three, where entrepreneurs share their secrets and their mistakes. We're here to help you become better. And, you know, I want to hear from all of you out there, too. So if you have any ideas in regards to more topics out there you want to hear about, please let us know. But in the meantime, keep listening out there. Do us a five star if you don't mind. And, um, you know, keep going. And if you need people to help motivate you, reach out to myself. Reach out to Guillaume. We're here to help you. All right, guys, you take care.